I was excited to get here this morning. I really was. And that's primarily because I spent yesterday doing manual labor. I like this much, much better. Uh, (laughs) I'm just honest with you. Yesterday, I wrestled with a pressure washer for six and a half hours. It won. (laughs) However, my back patio looks really good now, and so I'm excited about that. And uh, it'll stay that way for a little while, but... What I realized as I was doing that, you know, the Lord sometimes teaches us lessons in less than spectacular ways. And as I began to get all that black grime off the, the, the brick and, and the moss that had grown there and, and I began to, to, to go back and forth, I began to see that underneath that nasty, filthy layer was some pretty white, nice concrete that was under there. I even snapped a picture of it and sent it to my family because I wanted them to know that I, I was actually doing something. And my daughter said, I've never seen it look that clean before. Now, as I'm doing that the whole time, here's what I'm thinking. This is pretty much what many times we do with our lives. We wait and gradually, even imperceptibly, stuff begins to build up in our lives. And then finally, when it comes to that moment of recognition, that moment when we actually see just how grimy and and nasty things are, and we began to let God do the hard work in our lives of beginning to clean that up. And once we step back and we look and we we go, hey, listen, I didn't know life could be like this. I didn't know that, that there could be this much joy, this much contentment, this much peace in my life once all the grime and all the sin was taken care of, and I could stand before God like this. And, and, but that's the problem. We tend to let those things build up gradually. There's a, a drift that can occur in our lives spiritually. And today, I want to begin to, to uncover something for us that might help us prevent that. Because here's the deal. Surveys that have been done over the years have shown that somewhere between 75 and 90% of Americans say that they pray at least occasionally. Surveys done among believers show that about 55% of Americans uh, pray on a daily basis. That's pretty good because what that tells us is the most, most of us do these religious things in the course of life, but praying is the most common religious practice done by most Americans regardless of age. Even those people who say that they are not believers, who have no religious affiliation at all, many of them, about a quarter of them, say they still pray. Now, I'm not sure exactly who they're praying to or what they're praying for, but at least they they say, hey, listen, at least occasionally I pray. Now, with prayer being this prevalent in our culture, And being so practiced by us, you'd think we'd have this down pat, right? You'd think we'd have this praying thing licked. That prayer would be just as natural for us as breathing. But the reality is that when you ask believers, hey, what are the things that you struggle with in your Christian life? There are three things that typically surface. One is sharing my faith. Another is studying the Bible. And a third one is praying. Having a consistent, persistent prayer life. Now, we can't tackle all three of those 
today, but we will over the course of the next couple of months tackle those things. Today, we want to begin with prayer. And what we want to do is to try to encourage you and to provide some tools for you and some direction for you in your prayer life so that you know, hey, where do I begin? And how do I keep this going? How can it be consistent? And how, how does it not get rote and routine in my life? And so maybe today we can, we can help you with that as we, we start a little bit to see if we can get you back on the right track. Now, if you struggle with prayer and don't know everything about it, and sometimes you may be ashamed to admit it, listen, I want to I make you feel a little bit better about yourself right now. The disciples of Jesus, those 12 guys that hung around with him all the time, they saw what he did, heard what he said, observed his life. They pulled him aside. You'd think they'd have figured it out just by watching him, but they, they got him one day and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And if that's your heart this morning, Lord, teach me to pray. Then I hope that today will begin to help you move in that direction. As a matter of fact, would you join me in prayer right now? Heavenly Father, we want to come to you right now and we want to ask that you would teach us, teach us to pray. Help us to know where to begin, where to go from here. Lord, we thank you that you're not trying to hide anything from us. In fact, Lord, you're ready to reveal yourself, your will, and your ways to us. And Lord, having, having seen that, having experienced that, then I pray that today could be a step in the right direction for all of us as we pray, as we seek you in prayer, and as we find you in our praying. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Michael mentioned it to you earlier. Uh, we began last week our launch day for 60 Days of Intentionality, and I would encourage you, if you haven't picked this up yet, to do so at our Grace at Home Resource Center just outside. You walk straight out that door, you can't miss it. It's right up there. It's got Grace and Home and a big sign up there. And one of the things that we want to do in Grace at Home over the course of the next few days and weeks and months and years is to give you some tools that can help you to pray. Now, I want to tell you, there is no magic formula. There is no one way to pray that... That, that captures everything. So what I want to do today is begin to kind of share some essentials for in a prayer life, things that, that could be in your prayer life. We can make it more meaningful to you and more impactful in your life. And what we want to do is to give you a tool that you can not only use yourself, but something that you can actually do with your family. Because if you as an adult, a parent, a grandparent, if you struggle with prayer sometimes, then you're probably not doing a whole lot to teach your kids and your grandkids how to pray. You can model for them how to pray. You can even teach them how to pray. And I'll especially say for parents with young kids, you want to be able to teach your kids how to pray because one day they're away from home. They're gone, okay? And if all they know about prayer from you is now I lay me down to sleep, or God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for this food. If that's the extent of what they know about prayer, then they're going to struggle 
And as they hit those difficult times in life, those challenges in life, those great temptations that will come their way, they're going to struggle to know how to pray. And so let's us, let us then commit ourselves to say, listen, I want to not only know how to pray myself, but I want to know how to lead my family in prayer. And even a step beyond that, we are to be disciples who make disciples. We talked a lot about that last week. Wouldn't it be great if you encountered people in, in your life that you felt like, hey, I can kind of partner with them, help them a little bit. I could come alongside them. Because I promise you this, you find that person, they're probably struggling with prayer as well. And you would be able to kind of walk them through and help them and encourage them to know how they can pray. So what we want to use is something simple this morning. It's actually an acrostic. It spells acts. spells an actual word, which is good because that helps us to remember things. And as you look on here, as you see this, acts literally means, or what we're going to focus on, are these four elements of prayer. They're not the only elements of prayer, but these are four elements of prayer. Adoration, which is basically praise, worship, honoring God. Confession, that is taking a look in your life and recognizing those areas that that fall short of where God wants you to be and being able to confess those to Him and get a clean slate, kind of like cleaning off my porch. And then Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is is not just that day in November, but Thanksgiving is an attitude where we recognize that everything that we have is from God and we have an opportunity to thank Him for all the things He's placed in our lives. And then supplication. Now, we're going to change that word. We're going to use the word supply, okay? So in your blank, don't put supplication, use supply. Now, here's the reason why, and I want to ask you, How many of you in your daily conversations in the last month have used the word supplication, just in normal conversation? Anybody? Okay, it's not a word that we use very much, but supply we understand. And what we're asking God to do is to supply for us and for others to meet that need in our lives. And so we're we're going to bring it down to where we actually live, and we're going to use the word supply instead of supplication. And you can put that in your blank if you're following along in your notes. Today we want to focus on the A. We want to focus on adoration. What is that? Well, adoration, it comes from a Latin word, which basically means worship. And worship in the Bible, we see it in all kinds of contexts, old and new, has a variety of meanings depending on which exact word is translated as worship. But basically, worship is having such a great reverence and honor for God that you bow down with your forehead to the ground, falling face down before him because of who he is. Now, here's what you see Old and New Testament. When God shows up in all his glory, people hit the deck. Matter of fact, when people who have simply, or angels who have been in the presence of God show up, they're shining with his glory, just kind of the residual of God's glory. People hit the deck. When we worship God, and one of the big words that we see used in the Hebrew is is means to, to fall prostrate, to bow down before God because of who He is. Now that's a powerful thing. When it comes to adoring God, now listen, here's the problem with adoration. 
is that we have this word has been used in our culture so often that it we tend to make it smaller than it is when in, in reference to God. Frankie Valley had this song, you remember? My eyes adore you, though I never laid a hand on you. My eyes adore you. But like a million miles away from me, you couldn't see how I adored you. So close, so close and yet so far. Frankie Valley is rolling in his grave right now. Okay. Some of you are saying, Pastor, stick to preaching. You're probably right. Okay. Listen, but that's the way we've used adore. It's kind of in a love song. And it's kind of all soft and cuddly like a, a kitten before they get mean. I just got in trouble with somebody, didn't I? Anyway, listen, it's, it's this idea. We, wanna, we need to get over that idea. Because adoration, when it comes biblically, when we're talking about adoration, let me give you a, a working definition for this. To adore God is to worship and praise Him to honor and exalt Him, to acknowledge His infinite worth, infinite goodness, infinite might, and infinite love, and in doing so, to utterly humble ourselves in His glorious presence. That's a little different than Frankie Valley singing, right? It's a little bit different. It is to recognize how great and awesome and mighty and loving and good God is and to be so overwhelmed by that that we literally humble ourselves in His glorious presence. And if I'm honest with you about myself and if you're honest with you about yourself, then you might admit, you know what, I'm not very good at this. I'm really not good at adoring God. Now, when I pray... I've got my, my list of things as long as a CVS receipt and these things I'm bringing to God. But it's not really adoration. We struggle with that. Why do we struggle with that? Let me give you some reasons that we might struggle with that. First of all, we're very fixed on ourselves. Uh, we, let, let's face it. Uh, to adore God, you've really got to see Him as the center of your universe, the center of your life. And too often, we kind of occupy that space. And if we're occupied with ourselves, and we're going to have very little time to adore, to worship, to honor, to exalt God. And so when we run into our prayer closet, when we get into our prayer time, it's almost one of those in case of emergency break glass kinds of things. It's centered on us. I have this critical need that has occurred in my life, and now I'm going to go to God and pray. And now I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that should not be the sum total of our prayer because too often that's simply focused on self. Another reason why we may struggle with adoration is that we, we settle for the cheap thrills that the world has to offer. Uh, prayer, someone, I remember this way back uh, in a conference that Nancy and I went to a missions conference in Urbana, Illinois. This was, we weren't, we weren't married then. And we weren't quite engaged then, but we were pretty close because I had the ring in my pocket. Uh, I actually proposed to her at this missions conference. The timing was perfect because it was just before Billy Graham spoke on the cost of commitment. And I then proposed, you know, I proposed to her just before that, so that was pretty good. But I remember the description of prayer there was they compared it to when they were trying to, to get the railroad to go through the Rocky Mountains 
and they would have to uh, tear out parts of the mountain in order to, to lay the track. And they would talk about how, you know, we often think of prayer as kind of being pushing the plunger. If you've seen the old movies, pushing the plunger to set off the explosion that blows some of the rock out. They said that's, that's not what prayer is at all. Prayer is more like the guy who's up there drilling the hole in the mountain to plant the explosive that can then be later pushed the plunger. Prayer is that hard work. And listen, even though I, I, I did do some manual labor yesterday, and many of you do manual labor, you work really, really hard. Many of us don't work really, really hard at praying. We expect it to be quick, like instant oatmeal or instant grits or something we can zap in the microwave and be done with it and move on with our day. But prayer can be hard work. And many of you, many of you have suffered and toiled in prayer. It may be for someone who in your family who doesn't know Christ. It may be for some major health concern in your life. It may be for uh, for many of you have toiled and, and prayed about you know the issue of abortion for any cause, and, and you've toiled and prayed over that. And so you understand kind of the, the work that goes in it. But in life, we're looking for things that are going to make us feel good and make us feel good right now. And prayer doesn't always do that. And so if we're looking for the cheap thrills that this world has to offer, it may get us off target when it comes to actually stopping to honor, worship, adore God. And the third reason is this, that our understanding of who God is is sorely lacking. Now, here's my my point. I think if we get this last one right, the other two may take care of themselves. If we could really come to understand who God is and be ever more diligent in uncovering more and more about Him, then the other two may fix themselves. Because the more we know of God, the more overwhelmed we become with Him. The more in awe we become with Him. The more we can stop and praise Him for who He is, not just the things He gives us, but simply for who He is. And one of the easy ways we do that is to spend some time in Scripture. Again, something that takes time, something that takes effort, something that takes commitment, something that takes diligence. There's lots of other things that keep us from opening up God's Word and letting God reveal Himself, His will, and His ways to us from His Word. But once we begin to open Scripture... Scripture begins to open us, and it takes the focus off of us, and it opens our eyes to just how great this God is whom we worship. So this morning, I want us to look a little bit at Scripture together, and I'd like us to look, first of all, in Psalm 150. And I just want us to see this psalm. It's an incredible psalm. And what I'd like for you to do with me is, I, would you read this with me? We're, we're just going to read through this uh, together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. 
praise him. Excuse me, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now listen, that song is serious about praise. And it gives us reasons. It not only encourages us to praise him in a variety of ways, it gives us reasons for which we can praise him. And that can become part of our prayer life. When it comes to prayer, a great place to begin is with praise or with adoration or with worship. Worship is basically all of us, all of who we are, responding to who all of who God is, at least as much of Him as we can comprehend. Now, you will never get the full picture until you stand before Him, released of all the limitations of this earth. But at, the more we can understand Him, the more we can worship, honor, and praise Him. And before pulling out that long list of needs... We need, to, we need to stop, and we need to get a renewed perspective on life. And we do that through opening God's Word and letting Him speak to us. Our prayers are more intentional and more faith-filled when we know the one to whom we are praying. Now, <clears throat> what if you don't feel like it? Okay. Anybody ever had that problem? I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like adoring God. I want to let you know something. And this is true for you too. My prayer life is not based on my feelings. My feelings are ever-changing. My God is never-changing. Who God is shapes my faith. Who God is shapes my praying. Psalm 42 verses 5 through 7 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. There are times that we may not feel like praying. We may not feel like worshiping. We may not feel like adoring God. But the call is still there for us. To be still, be still, stop, cease striving, and know I am God. So adoration flows from our hearts as we come to understand and meditate on who God is. Understand and meditate. Listen, when God reveals himself to us, sometimes we just need to stop and go, okay, let me me make sure I get this. Okay? Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. Let me just stop and hang on to that for a minute. Lord, you are good. Are there times when life is bad that you need to remember that God is good? Lord, you're good before because your mercies endure forever. God, listen, I need to stop and remember 
that no matter how rough life gets, no matter how badly people treat me, that your mercies endure forever. Your mercies are new every morning, for great is your faithfulness. Even when I, my faith fails, God's does it. God's always faithful. Now listen, to remind yourself of those things is to shake you out of this, oh, woe is me, or the world's after me, or, you know, life is bad, or whatever. We've, in order, we've got to shift our attention, get ourselves out of the center, and put God back in the center. If you were to walk outside on a cloudless day, which we don't get many of, but if you were to walk outside on a cloudless day, you've done this. You may look up and you see a plane flying through the sky, a big jet flying through the sky. Now, it may be so high up there that all you see is a dot. Maybe you don't even see the dot. All you see is the contrail behind, being left behind the plane. That thing looks so tiny in the sky. But then you go down to Atlanta Airport, and you have to buy a ticket because you can't go out there and just see the planes, okay? Maybe you see them right over the road or something like that, but you actually get to see a 767. 767, I've flown on those. When you look up in the sky, it can look mighty tiny. But a 767 is about 200 feet long. It's got a wingspan of about 160 feet. And with nobody in it and no luggage in it, the thing weighs 100 tons. When you see it up close and personal, it looks massive. It looks huge. Now, why am I telling you about airplanes? Because the same thing is true with God. If we're trying to view God from 20 or 30,000 feet away, he can look awfully small. But the closer we get, the closer we draw to him, the greater he looks. And it takes time and it takes intention to draw close to him, to be able to see him in all his greatness and his glory. Psalm, one, Psalm 95, beginning in verse 1 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. The reason? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand, in his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Listen, when we can do this, when we can get this bigger perspective, this real perspective of who God is, it can change our prayer life. It can change our daily lives. But there are a lot of things that are battling for your heart and your mind and your attention and your affections. There are a lot of things that are trying to draw you away from that time to focus on who God is. Idolatry is the enemy of adoration. For something else captivates our attention, and our affections. Now you go, well, wait a minute. I don't have a little statue set up in my house. I don't have a little, you know, shrine built in my house where I go and worship my idols. But quite frankly, anything 
Anything that takes the place of God in our lives can become an idol for us. We begin to worship those things by giving, giving our attention and our affections to those idols rather than to God. C.S. Lewis wrote in the book, The Weight of Glory, we are far too easily pleased. And I would add, we are far too easily amused. We settle for the immediate. We settle for the short term. We settle for the temporary when God calls us to something greater. Our attention is easily drawn in all sorts of directions. Social media. Here's a challenge for some of you. Put your phone down and don't touch it for six hours. Oh, let's cut it back to three hours. Let's just make it an hour. Some of you will be going through withdrawal symptoms in just a few minutes because you don't have that in your hand, that immediate feedback, that immediate response. It can be games. Video games can just dominate a person's life. It could be, uh, you know, it could be your ever-present TV. Your TV's just on all the time. It never shuts off, some, not even at night for some. It could be binge-watching Netflix, and this thing can happen. Have any, anybody want to confess right now they binge-watched Netflix? Okay, I have. Listen, Nancy was gone, and I decided I'm going to start watching this show, and... I started watching it like five, six o'clock in the afternoon. And then it went through dinner time and I just kept hitting the, yeah, play the next one, play the next one. And by three o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking in for a penny, in for a pound. So the thing went off a little after five. I've been watching it for 12 hours. I've been watching this thing. I watched the entire season of a show, one sitting. I went to bed. Got up about 10 and went on with my day. But see, that stuff can just it, just, it just sucks us in. And so we have to be careful of these things. And the list goes on and on and on of these things that can dominate our attention, our affections. And we take so little time to simply be still. Be still and know that God is God. And to allow Him to remind us that there's no one else. There's nothing else that can satisfy our souls the way He can. So I encourage you, listen, as you start your prayer life, you start your prayer time, find a place away from your recliner, away from your couch, away from your remote, away from your phone, away from all those things that easily capture your attention so you can simply spend some time Focusing on God. Psalm 113 says this, praise the Lord. You know, it looks like the psalmists are pretty excited about praising God, don't they? Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks down from the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her joyous, the joyous mother of children. 
Praise the Lord. If you and I could simply spend some time with God's Word and with God, saying, Lord, reveal Yourself to me, it could literally transform our prayer life and then go beyond that to transform our lives. If you and I were to stop and give thought to what the Scriptures reveal to us about God, it could radically change. It could change it all. So here's a question some of you are asking. That all sounds good. Where do I start? Where do I begin? And I would say this. Begin with what you know about God. There are certain things you know about Him. You may want to sit down and just write yourself a list. What is it that I know about God? Not guesses, but what do I know about Him? Okay, I may know God is love. Okay, let me write that down. I may know that God is good. Let me write that down. I may know that God is great. Let me write that down. I may know that God is faithful. Let me write that down. Just begin by, what do I know about Him? That's where I begin with my praise. And then as you open the Scriptures and let them speak to you, look for God revealing Himself, His will, and His ways to you, and just you can add that to your list. And what you end up with is a running list of all these character attributes of God, and it gives you reason to pray Him. Now, some of you, if you got started, you might run out in like three days. I mean, are we honest? You may go, you know what? I, 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 now I'm just starting to repeat myself every three days. Well, God's not going to get tired of hearing it, but you may get tired of praying. So how can you, how can you change that? We want to help. At the Grace at Home Resource Center, you will find something that looks like this. And pretty soon, it'll be on the website for you to, to get this. We printed a handful of these. If you need more, if they're all gone by the time you get there, then we'll, we, we can print as many as you need. This is 30 names and attributes of God. covers the front and the back of a sheet of paper. 30 days, that kind of fits with a month, right? So let's say you were to have this for you, and you were to begin on, well, it's too late to begin on day one, but you can begin on day three. Today is the 3rd of March, and you said, you know what, I'm going to just pray one day, and I'm going to focus on one attribute, one name of God, and I'm going to praise Him for that. Pretty simple. For me this morning, um, I, my, I was down to God is love. God is love. And I was able to praise Him for simply being love, for defining what love is and for expressing love supremely in giving His Son, Jesus. It's not rocket science, folks. It's just repeating back to God, this is who I know you are, and I'm going to praise you and honor you and worship you because of who you are. It's just one way to do it, and I, I will admit Absolutely stolen from the navigators. I, we just took it, okay? But it's okay because they've got it out there for us. And so uh, navigators actually produce that. And I think, actually, I think they stole it from somebody else. Could be. I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. These are great. I couldn't figure how to fit them into the sermon, but I didn't want to leave them out. St. Augustine said, the Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. We should be walking praise, and most of us, we aren't there yet. But we could be. That our life would simply be a reflection of praise and glory and honor to God in everything that we do. And the more we know Him, the better we can praise Him.
And Francis Chan wrote, Isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? You will never, ever, ever be able to praise God more than He actually is. Now, you listen, with your husband or your wife, sometimes you can go overboard. You might exaggerate a little bit how wonderful they are, how great they are. Probably not. But you can never, ever exaggerate God. Ever in your life. You, the, the more you know of Him, the more opportunity it is to praise Him more. Here, So, what are you going to do? I mean, let's, let's get down to brass tacks right now. What are you going to do about it? If you're here today and you go, you know what? My prayer life stinks. Now, you don't have to tell me. But you know it if it does. What are you going to do about it? Begin this week by simply taking some time to know who God is and to worship Him for who He is. Just Let's just take this chunk, this, this little piece. Just add it to your prayer life. Make it part of your morning routine, your night routine, whatever it is, however you can add it in. I'm not asking you to, to if, you're doing a, sometime, if you have your own Bible study, your own devotional material, I'm not asking you to discard all that, but just, just add to this. Before I get to my list, let me just take some time to be still and know that He is God. Just add that to your life. This morning, we want to invite you to respond to God in whatever way He's laid on your heart. Some of you, you may need to come and receive God's Son, Jesus, as your Savior. And if, that's where, if, if God's leading you to do that this morning, don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything stand in your way. Some of you may need a church home, a place to come and connect and belong. We'd love for you to be here if your Lord's leading you here. And we invite you to come and say, hey, today I want to unite with the life of this church. Some of you may need to simply come before God and kneel in prayer and say, God, would you get out your pressure washer? Because my life has been so cluttered and dirty and covered over and I've neglected this area of my life so much that I need you to come in and clean it up. And here's the thing about God. He's faithful. He's merciful. He loves you. You know where I learned all those things? From the Bible. But, and because He is those things, He's ready to receive you even today. You want to come and pray. And just say, God, let me start again. This, I'm, I'm putting, the, putting the stake in the ground today. I want to start again today. He'll receive you. He'll hear you. And He'll give you the new start. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank You so much for meeting us here and for speaking to us and for challenging us. Thank You for always being there. For never abandoning us. For always calling us. For always loving us. And Lord, we recognize that the Supreme indicator of your faithfulness and your love was the sending of your son Jesus to die on Calvary's cross for us, paying the price for our sin and opening up the way to life eternal for us. And so, Lord, 
I pray that if there are those who need Jesus today, who need salvation, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, if there are those who need a church home, a place to belong, Lord, draw them to this place if this is where you want them. And Lord, if there are those who simply need a new start, that they could come and find it today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.